Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside D. Louie here, as we look back at K-State's 67-47 loss at the hands of the Texas Longhorns, a 20-point loss at home for K-State, and a place in a building that they've been pretty darn good in uh, over the last couple years, and even further on than that, uh, of course, Bruce Weber's uh, team is, is struggling on the offensive side of the ball, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, we'll also look ahead to Saturday's contest on the road against uh, a Texas Tech team that's looked to be uh, probably the top option to uh, take away the streak here from KU uh, as they go for, is it number 15 or 16? Uh, I lost count. Uh, yeah, I, I might have as well. So, uh, But a tough Texas Tech team, a, a team that I, if you've seen much of, uh, pretty darn impressive uh, really, were in the game all the way into the end. Led most of the game against Texas Te- or against uh, Duke when they played him in Madison Square Garden. So, it's not getting any easier here for K State. So we'll look ahead to that uh, as well. We'll also give our evaluations on Chris Kleiman's initial staff. Still one spot to fill uh, on the uh, on-field coaching staff, but uh, most of it's pretty darn well filled out. So we will. Take a look at that and get you up to speed with that uh, before, of course, closing out. Uh, highlighting another Wildcat legend and at answering your questions and Ask the Icon. I'm going to bring into the podcast now a man that, quite frankly, needs no introduction. He's the master of disaster. He's too hot to handle, too cold to hold. He's D. Louie. D. Happy- Louie, how are we doing today? Happy New Year, Icon. Happy New Year to you as well. How was your, uh, how was your holiday? Oh, it was great. How about yours? It's it was the best one I've ever had. Uh, how's how's your 2019 been so far? It's been glorious. You got to see you got to watch the Scorpion last night. I did. I saw. Uh, I was in Manhattan uh, for that game. Uh, felt pretty well when I saw the news that Kamal Stokes was going to be out in uh, that case. It was going to be down two starters, uh, two of their normal starters, with of course Dean Wade sideline for what looks like to be. Uh, probably the, at least the rest of the month, uh, maybe back towards the end of the month of January. We'll have to see. Uh, but with him being on the shelf, uh, a team that's already struggling to score the ball as it is, uh, down another starter, uh, gave us a pretty good idea. It gave me a pretty good idea before the game that it was going to be tough to score, and um, that that was very apparent uh, throughout uh, throughout the 40 minutes that K-State played last night. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I can't imagine what it must have been like watching that game in person because watching it on TV was just brutal. Um, you know, when, when you have a team that's struggled as much as K-State has throughout this season, uh, I think last night may have taken the cake, though, in terms of... Uh, I think that may have been the low point uh, in the young season so far in terms of offensive ineptitude because you look across the board and there is just not a lot of uh, not a lot of bright spots there for anybody. Well, the Tulsa game uh, gives this one a run for the money. I was hoping that uh, that Tulsa game might be an isolated incident, but unfortunately um, it hasn't been, of course, with, you know, Casey, I believe, scored, what, 59 uh, just the the Saturday before against George Mason, as they had to uh, had to hold on for one there, uh, but quite frankly, this is a team that's really struggling to get the ball in the hoop. Yeah, and, and at some point, that's just who we are. You know, I mean, even when you look back at last year, this team wasn't. It's hard to call this out of character or a slump or whatever because this team it just seems like it's you know. I would think that they're a better offensive basketball team than they've shown so far this year, but it's there's not a, really a ton of evidence to say that they are. I mean, they're shooting a little bit worse than they did last year, but I don't know. I don't know if we can keep saying, "Well, they'll eventually turn it on," because I'm not sure what this team's normal is. Yeah, it's. It's um it's been rough. Uh, right now I'm looking at the numbers. Got them in front of me here, uh, via Ken Palm, uh, which is the the foremost authority for advanced college basketball analytics. Um, jeez, this this is kind of jarring to to even look at. 
the adjusted efficiency, which is a is a composite ranking of, of how good you are offensively. K State checks in at 203 in the nation, and uh, in the nation there are uh, a whopping 300. And uh, let me see here. Just double check here. 353 teams. Oh, so that's not so bad. So, um, unfortunately, in in the lower half there, uh, teams such as uh, Abilene Christian, um, Texas Southern. Oh, our our friend Frank at South Carolina. They're they're ahead of us. Uh, at, at, uh, checking in at 190, uh, 192 there. But it's been it's been a a real. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll go ahead and say it's been tough to watch for one. It just well, I will say that we are ahead of American. Yeah, which, so kiss our butt. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, nobody can say that we're worse than them. Yeah, well, at least not until uh, Saturday uh, when we have to go against the best defensive team in the country, mm. uh, Texas Tech, where uh, that adjusted efficiency metric and possibly our point total just. Uh, you know, for a more cut and dry uh, metric, so to speak, it's probably going to take another hit. Yeah, you think so? Um, going against a defense like Texas Tech's, you know, that's kind of interesting. That Texas Tech is their basketball team is a great defensive team. Yeah, you ever think about I, that? I, I was thinking about that the other day. Is like this is a team that Texas Tech is a team that really gets after you, plays you tough man-to-man defense. Uh, I wonder against K-State if they'll stay to that man-to-man defense or if they'll play zone like everyone else does against us and, uh, you know, stymies us that way. But this Texas Tech defense is a uh, stingy physical defense. Like I said, uh, K-State is actually the number uh, five-ranked team in terms of adjusted efficiency on defense, Uh, but Texas Tech is number one, and they're number one by a pretty considerable margin. So... I look at this as going to be a game that's going to be extremely difficult for Texas Tech to be able, or for K State to be able to get anything going with Texas Tech, and might might uh, spell some disaster for K State on Saturday. Well, let's look back at the Texas game last night. I mean, obviously the offense struggled, uh, but is there anything that you saw last night that particularly struck out or stuck out against uh, the Longhorns? Well, K-State played great defense for the first half. Great defense for the first half. Everything was contested. Um, But one thing I will say, too, is Texas was getting some good looks. Um, Jeez, Ozakowski had some good looks at three. Uh, Febris, of course, was was lights out, uh, 7-9 from behind the arc. But they were getting some good looks. Uh, that was one thing that uh, they shot a lot of threes, too. I mean, when you look at it, they were uh, 14 of 27 uh, from behind the arc. So um, over half their shots uh, came from behind the arc, and uh, they were filling it up pretty darn good in the second half uh, from three. So I thought the three-point defense wasn't, wasn't very good in the second half. Didn't think it, w- it, was, it was bad in the second half is what I should say. I didn't think it was great, though, in the first half. Uh, even though when they were missing a few more shots. However, the other thing that really uh, really killed us was uh, Curran, Curran Roach on uh, the pick and roll. Uh, Roach is very uh, very good ball player. Uh, we saw a game earlier this season against North Carolina out in Vegas where he uh, was the best player on the court. Had probably the dunk of the year uh, against North Carolina, but a very – very good player, uh, one of the conference's uh, best guards. Uh, didn't do a ton in terms of uh, scoring last night. Only had 10 points, but uh, he was kind of hampered by foul trouble throughout. Uh, spent most of the first half on the bench. But uh, Roach and um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Roach and um, their their big men were really running the uh, pick and roll real well. Uh, Hayes was 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 big, uh, near a double double for him, uh, nine points, eleven rebounds. So we dealt, we had some trouble w- dealing with their size, uh, getting offensive rebounds. Uh, it says they had six offensive rebounds, but uh, when they were getting those offensive rebounds, they were doing a good job of, of scoring off those. So those were some of the things that I saw from a defensive side thing, offensive side of the ball. I mean, really, you don't have to look more 
then past the 47 points to really uh, say that we were struggling. Um, one thing I would definitely point to, um, three guys really took the majority of our shots. Mayween, Sneed, and Brown. Uh, Mayween, 5 of 13 from the field. Uh, Sneed, 3 of 11 from the field. Uh, and, and Barry Brown, 3 of 10 from the field. Well, and that, those are the three guys you'd probably want to take. Yeah. All, the majority of your mm-hmm. shots last night. And so, and, and a lot of those shots that they're taking are were, were tough shots. I mean, contested shots. Mayween, I thought, was coming out guns a-blazing. I mean, he was shooting. I think at the when I first checked my phone, just kind of look at what the stats were, I think he was one of seven uh, from the field. I think we might have uh, just been maybe at the under-12 timeout of the first half. So, he was coming out, uh, you know, coming off the big game two nights or two games ago against Vanderbilt. Uh, well, you know, he wanted it last night though, because he sees some other steers coming into his yeah, into his domain, into his uh, into his pasture. barn, yeah. into his pasture. He he needs to show him who the bell cow really is. But uh, that's right. Uh, not, he had an okay night last night, I guess. He yeah. was our leading scorer with uh, thirteen points. The other thing, too, that it's frustrating to me is we're seeing some just too many turnovers from uh, from our guards. Uh, Barry Brown last night with six turnovers, uh, only to five assists. You'd like to see, you know, those numbers about with about seven assists, maybe about two or three turnovers. Um, but quite frankly, K-State just um, – they, they couldn't buy a bucket uh, for a big stretch of the game. The, the, there is one part of the game that I do want to highlight. It's um, it's right here at the 11:40 mark. K State gets a basket to uh, make it 35-34 Texas with the lead, and then Texas comes down the next two possessions, hits three pointers by uh, Jace Febris, uh, stretches the lead out. Uh, excuse me, actually K State had the lead at that point. Uh, pardon me, 35-34. And then Febris hits two straight three, uh, two two straight three pointers, moves the lead up to five for Texas, and they never look back from there. Um, they they kind of get the ball and run away with it at that point. So it's a team that, like I said, I we we could talk all day about what the reason is for this this cold streak for K State. They I thought that they did a good job of getting some quality looks. But um, yeah, I thought the, they the confidence thought, the confidence to make the shots just just not there right now. Yeah, I mean they had some open looks last night by guys you want to have open looks from. I mean, you mentioned that the guys who were shooting last night, uh, Barry and Sneed and Mayween, that they were some of those were contested and, and they were, but there were some that it's just very clean looks that you just got to knock down when you get that chance, and so mm-hmm. you know. I, and then I think it really snowballed there in the second half. And I think that once their confidence gets shot, then maybe it's hard to build anything from there. But early in the game, it just seemed like they just couldn't get the ball in the hoop. Yep. And they their defense carried them for the first half and for really the first 30 minutes of that game. And then uh, it, it wore down, whether it's fatigue, whether it's just um, – Texas hitting some shots, but once they it, it in in a game of basketball, ten minutes left in the game, a team has a or eight minutes left in the game. I'm just I have it pulled up right here. Texas has a seven point lead. Eight thirty seven left. They have a seven point lead. That should not seem insurmountable by any stretch, but it certainly did. Yeah, and I think the folks around us or around me anyway, it was just like, man, how how are we how are we going to even get to I mean, it, it was 43-36 with 837 left. That's just what I have pulled up in front of me. We struggled to get to 43, um, you know, just f- the rest of the game. Yeah. For the final 837. So, it, it, it was a game that it was frustrating to watch. But I one thing I do uh, commend K-State for and, and, and the team is uh, they kept they kept fighting. It's uh, it's got to be frustrating for them to get off to the start on their home court uh, as, as conference play starts. And, of, of course, as I highlighted with Texas Tech on Saturday, it certainly doesn't get any easier. No, and, and the Scorpion better, uh, you know, 
get back on his right side and get ready to sting because this Big 12, uh, it's, it's a tough conference and there's not very many easy outs um, the rest of the way. And so, uh, you know, you don't have time to get your dauber down about Texas because if you're not careful, this thing could really spiral out of control here fast. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's an experienced team. They know um, how it's a gauntlet. I mean, you you lose, you don't play the way you want to. Sulk about it for a little bit after the game if you want, but – you got to snap out of it quick because uh, you've got another high-quality top-10 team in the country uh, with Texas Tech that uh, you have to go on the road to. So it'll be a tough matchup for K-State. Really, I think it's a, it's an interesting matchup here as we kind of transition to that Texas Tech game. Both teams are, are really great defensively. Texas Tech, um, of course, with the home court advantage, of course, being a better offensive team at this point. If I was to guess, uh, of course, Dean Wade uh, not going to be available uh, for this one. Personally, I'd be a little bit surprised if uh, Kamal Stokes was able to give it a go. It sounds like there's some there's some serious questions around his health uh, with his foot um, as as we go into uh, into further into conference play here. But I'd expect K State to be without both. Uh, but both with, of course, without Wade, but also without Stokes for this one. Yeah, well, the the road doesn't get any easier, and so uh, it seems like K State's been uh, snake bitten the last couple of years in terms of basketball injuries, uh, especially with Dean Wade. But uh, you know, there's no time to be nope, no, no time. time for a pity party because no. we got to win some games if we want to get in the tournament this year because that is not a given. No, certainly not. Certainly not a given. And when you look at the conference, it's, it's going to be another strong year for the Big 12. Uh, teams like Iowa State, uh, teams like Texas Tech. Texas Tech was uh, not projected to be a, um, a team that was going to be in the top, top third of the conference, but they certainly look all the part of, of a team that is going to be there till the end in the conference title race. Uh, so, D. Louie, I'm going to put the pressure here on you. Let's uh, get a prediction for you uh, for, for K-State versus Texas Tech this Saturday. Oh, I, th- I think uh, – <laughs> I don't think it's going to go well for K-State at all. I, I think that Tech wins this game, you know, probably by a final score similar to what we saw against Texas uh, would be my guess. Um, I don't see K-State's offense doing much of anything. Um, and – Maybe Tech doesn't quite put up the same. Maybe the margin of victory isn't quite the same, but I would expect Tech to win this game by anywhere from 10 to 15 points with K-State's point total being about, about what in, the, in the low 40s, mid 40s. So I'll, I, I'll say something like, uh, let's say 60 to, to 44. Okay. So I will go ahead and say I, – I, See it the same way as you do. I don't think K-State's going to win this game. Uh, but I see K-State playing it tough, um, but I see them coming up short. I'm going to go something like 68 for Texas Tech, 55 for K-State. Okay. So score, we're getting really light in the scoreboard. We're, we're going to score half a hundred uh, <laughs> against this Red Raider team. And But it this is a Texas Tech team that, uh, with Chris Beard, is – Found themselves right back after they lost. Fear the beard. Uh, Fear the beard as as they lost uh, Keevit, Keenan Evans last year, one of their standout players. Uh, you know, guy that was probably would have won Big Twelve Player of the Year had he not gotten, uh, you know, banged up with a foot injury. You would have thought that they would have taken a step back this year, but they are right there in the thick of things. Not only in the conference uh, picture, but also. Uh, really in the national picture as a team that's going to be uh, top 10 competing for a uh, you know top three seed in the NCAA tournament absolutely they're uh, they they're having the season that we kind of thought uh, K-State would have uh, mm-hmm. so far and uh, you know these are two teams that have gone in two different directions to start the season yeah and with the current injury situation for K-State I just really hope that it doesn't get to the point where um, where we're looking at a one and four, one and five, two and five type start in conference play. By the time 
you know, we get our whole squad health healthy. Uh, it's well, almost, you know, not I wouldn't say too late, but we're we're almost six feet under in terms of getting us. We're, we're starting, you know, twenty meters behind everybody else in in a uh, in a hundred meter race. We're not going to be able to catch them, but you want to be able to to get a spot uh, in the top half of the conference. That way, you're at least comfortably in the NCAA tournament to where we're not sweating it out uh, like we were not so much last year uh, but more the year before well and one thing you have to remember is that timeline for Dean at the end of the month that's that's not a given that that's that when he comes back that he's gonna be oh, he's gonna Dean be Wade yeah he's gonna be 100 I mean yeah. so it's I think there if, will be some there you would expect to see some rust I would expect to see the starting five uh, we saw last night substitute maybe Cam in there depending on the seriousness of his uh, injury. I would assume that that's going to be the core of this team throughout the rest of the season, because based on based on how Dean's foot was handled at the end of last year and then another foot issue this year, I just don't know how many minutes he's going to be given a game, uh, even when he does come back. Sure, sure. There's. And also, too, from his uh, from his cardio standpoint, with with a foot injury, you're a little limited in what you can do in terms of running, of course, because you want to stay off the foot as much as you can while while it heals. Uh, you can do things like you know biking to to keep yourself uh, in, in decent cardio shape. But the bike isn't exactly a great um, a great translation in terms of getting out there and saying, hey, you're going to have to go out there and play 30 minutes. Yeah, and I mean, I even heard people say, like, at the start of this year, saying, well, Dean looks sluggish because he's out of shape because of his foot injury last year. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean. It's just like, this is not one of those things where it's like, okay, you can play, and he's out being the preseason Big 12 player of the year because that's, I don't think, realistic. No, I, I would agree. Um, and so... In terms of, yeah, things may improve here starting in February, but I wouldn't expect the difference to be night and day in terms of personnel. Um, so I, I think that there's there's not going to be some great savior to come save this, to rescue this season. I would say that the K-State basketball team just needs to figure out how to get the ball in the basket. Yep, and I think you have to look at those three guys that, uh, took most of the shots last night. Mayween, uh, Sneed, and Barry Brown as guys that, uh, of course, with Sneed, has been really a, a key contributor for his entire time here at K-State. And, uh, of course, Barry Brown the same way. Uh, three, four-year guys, of course, there. Uh, Mayween, of course, getting in the action last year. But those are guys that are really going to have to carry the load here. And um, I, I look for... Uh, Barry Brown, especially, uh, to be that guy that's going to have to play at an all-conference level uh, in order to, for K-State to kind of just maintain the ship, so to speak, as we uh, hope to get a full roster back and healthy uh, kind of towards more of the heart of Big 12 play. So that'll do it here uh, for the basketball portion of this week's episode of the Short Side Option. We'll be back after a short break to dissect Chris Kleiman's first staff here at K-State, as uh, it is nearing completion. Come back after this short break. All right, we are back here on the Short Side Option Podcast, where we are transitioning now to football. Uh, Of course, the the Bison of North Dakota State have a national championship game against the Eastern Washington Eagles. Eastern Washington. Washington, uh, depending on what part of the country you're from. Uh, a big game uh, for North Dakota State. Chris Kleiman going for his fourth, count them, four national championships at the uh, at the FCS level. Big favorite, two touchdown favorites against uh, against Eastern, Eastern Washington. Got to like their chances to get number four, don't you? Oh, I've been... I've been really doing a lot of background uh, trying to pick this game apart from every different angle, and uh, I think that North Dakota State's just going to run all over them. I, I've, 
I've been trying to put myself in the position of how would I attack uh, this North Dakota State team if I was uh, the head coach for Eastern Washington. And uh, I'm just coming up empty. You're coming up empty. They're checkmated uh, every which way. uh, This is the Bison's game to lose, and I don't expect them to. Well, I would agree with you there. Uh, but we'll we'll also look here. So Chris Kleiman's got nine of the ten uh, on-field positions filled here, still waiting for a special teams coordinator. Uh, there has been several reports saying that it will not be Sean Snyder, uh, that he is um, going to be doing something off of the football field uh, somewhere and related to K-State. Uh, but let's go through and kind of talk about who is on the staff um, as of now. Uh, Climate has um, has announced that Colin Klein and Blake Siler will return. Uh, Klein will be coaching the quarterbacks. Uh, Siler will be uh, taking somewhat of a demotion here uh, for going from defensive coordinator to defensive line coach. What do you uh, what do you make about having those two guys back? Well, I think it's great. Um, I think it's great for K State that they were willing to. Um, Kind of show that humility and and take a step down. I think that if if both were being honest with themselves, they uh, probably realized that they were a little green yeah, to be in the coordinator of position. And of, and of course, too, as I uh, want to make mention of that, uh, Colin Klein, of course, was a co-offensive coordinator. He was part of the the triumvirate, uh, not just a uh, not just a quarterback coach before, but it had been right. you know, working with the quarterback. So he's also taking a a somewhat of an emotion to it, at least in title. That's right. And so I, I admire their uh, willingness to, to do that and uh, their commitment to K-State to say, listen, I, I'll take a I'll take a, a smaller title, um, but just keep me on the staff. And so I think that those two, um, I don't know if Rising Stars is uh, – too high praise for him, although Siler certainly um, gets yeah. a lot of praise like that. I thought Siler did some nice things with the defense this year. I mean, granted, it wasn't a, a strong unit by any any stretch, but a unit that did suffer some some injuries throughout. And you know, of, as we had kind of documented, the lynch mob was back, and then it wasn't back. But then you know, it finished out the season, uh, you know, giving up some points to Iowa State. But before that. They were they were back and better than ever against uh, Texas Tech, weren't they? Yeah, and so I I think that there's definitely things that Siler can be proud of for last year, um, and I think it'll be good just for their careers just to have them gain some more experience learning under some guys, um, especially for Klein just be learning under somebody else. Sure, um, he's been under. He'd been under Dana Demmel for a long time, and cool. yeah. you know, even play, playing. Sure. And so, and last year he was kind of set free, and so it'll be interesting to see how Klein uh, fares under a, a guy like Courtney Messingham, even though that is still a run heavy, should be a very familiar type of offensive set uh, to K State fans and probably to Colin Klein. But nice to get some diversity, and just hopefully he can learn something from Messingham that that he wasn't able to learn from uh, Coach Dimmel. So as we go through here, uh, talking a little bit more here uh, about uh, the staff that uh, Kleiman has put together so far, Jason Ray uh, named wide receivers coach, Connor Riley on the offensive line, uh, Joe Klanderman will be coaching the safeties, and then Courtney Messingham, uh, who's currently the offensive coordinator at North Dakota State, he will uh, maintain that title here at K-State as the offensive coordinator and will also uh, coach the tight ends. So with Messingham, I want to ask your thoughts on him. He uh, has spent some time in the Big 12 uh, as an offensive coordinator at Iowa State. What's, what's your impression on him so far? Well, uh, just by kind of reviewing what he's done so yeah, far. Yeah, my initial impression was uh, looking at his resume. I kind of took me by surprise that we were hiring a coach who got fired by Paul Rhodes. Um, but, eh, you know, coaches get fired sometimes, especially coordinators. And so we'll see. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. I think I, I do like his offense. I like the idea of K-State being a run heavy, uh, I, is it fair to call it like a pro style offense? Yeah, it really is. They, it's, well, I shouldn't say a 
pro-style offense because they they run maybe some more concepts in terms of in terms of um, they utilize more, the quarterback. They, they utilize the quarterback a little bit more than maybe a traditional pro-style offense, but it's definitely more pro-style than what K-State has been running here uh, under. The, the Dana Demel offense, and then, of course, what we saw last year. Yeah, I think they run it they run it with the quarterback probably less than K-State does. Oh, sure, does. absolutely. Well, most, most every team does. Yeah, that's fair, uh, besides maybe Navy. And, uh, and, and UTEP. Yeah. Can't, can't, forget, <laughs> that's right. can't forget the minors. Speaking of, good luck to Alex Delton out yes, there in absolutely. El Paso. Nothing but the best for him. Um, but anyway, no, I, I like the idea. I, I think that offense makes a lot of sense. Um, it's not the high-flying... Uh, you know, crazy spread that we all kind of thought we might be getting with Latrell coming in. But I think it's an offense that makes sense, um, especially, you know, going against some of these defenses that are more tailored to defending the pass and might be a little leaner um, up the middle throughout the front seven. And so uh, in terms of Messingham, yeah, he he hasn't really done anything at the FBS level that makes you say, wow, that's a great accomplishment. But he's he's certainly done some nice things in North Dakota State, and I think his offense uh, could really uh, excel here at K-State. Well, as we'll kind of transition here, uh, one more offensive coach that was named was Brian Anderson. He'll be the, be the running backs coach uh, coming over from Illinois State. Uh, Van Malone uh, from SMU, he'll be coaching the cornerbacks. be nice to have some, have some ties to the state of Texas. Uh, of course, with uh, what Van Malone brings. And then uh, Ted uh, Monachino will be the defensive coordinator. Is that is that how you say that? Yes, it is. I was I didn't know whether it was Monachino or, or Mon- what. Yeah. Monachino. I, I never actually... You, you thought that was probably... We're getting the cherry, man. Hey, I thought that'd be nice. I, I just, it just dawned on me that I never actually said or heard his name yet. I've just yep. seen it on uh, K-State press release. Good old Ted Monachino. Monachino. Write that down, folks. Uh, he will be the defensive coordinator, and in terms of the in terms of the staff that's been put together so far, uh, I think Monachino's the most interesting to me. Uh, has a Super Bowl ring as a linebackers coach um, with the Baltimore Ravens. Also uh, spent some time as a defensive coordinator uh, for the Indianapolis Colts last year. He was. Uh, the he was going back to his alma mater, uh, Missouri. Um, he, he's a Missouri Tiger. He played football there. Just another uh, cat. Just another cat from Old Mizzou. And he was a senior defensive analyst there at Missouri. Uh, but he'll be coaching the linebackers and, and calling the plays uh, for K State on the defensive side of the thing, uh, on defensive side of the ball. So this is a guy that really has more of a college background. Uh, then you you know you might think of course I most of his heavy work I guess you'd like to say is in the NFL uh, spent uh, darn near darn near a decade uh, coaching uh, either defensive line or linebackers um, with with the with several NFL teams Jaguars Ravens and Colts but he also spent some time uh, of course coaching defensive line in college, Coach Terrell Suggs at Arizona State. So he coached against K-State. Uh, oh, in that, that 2002 in, game? Yeah, the 2002 Holiday Bowl, which Terrell Suggs was just living in K-State's backfield that night. Yeah, that was that was a good game. That was that was an underrated K-State Bowl game. It was. It was a nice win. Of excitement. Nice win for K-State there as they, they closed the season out uh, with a win. I want to kind of highlight uh, – Monachino here just for a moment. I think it's interesting that you get a guy that really his last decade of his um, of his career has been spent in the NFL. So well, of course, the NFL has been transitioning more to a, we'll call it a more college style offensive uh, philosophy throughout most of the NFL. Not all of it, but it, it's becoming more prevalent. I wonder what kind, when he sees, you know, an offense of uh, philosophy, maybe like Oklahoma or an Oklahoma State or Texas Tech. Uh, Now, Texas Tech might be undergoing some change with with their uh, new regime, but it'll be interesting to me what kind of philosophy he brings uh, to the table. There was some talk that maybe he might implore more of a 3-4 style, 
which is kind of interesting because that's what uh, you know what Mizzou had had been doing was been running out of the three four, uh, but with Kleiman uh, being a base four three guy, I would be a little bit surprised that he would go target a coach that coaches the 3-4. I would expect to see more nickel and dime as as a more base-style defense for K-State as they as they go out here and uh, compete against these Big 12 offenses. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's been so much uh, development in terms of offensive philosophy in the last few years, but uh, the defense the defenses have been trailing them pretty I mean, they've been they've been evolving the same way, um, and so I think to uh, to survive, if if you want to actually survive as a defensive coordinator uh, at any level, especially uh, in the Big Twelve, um, I think that you got to be able to adapt. And so I think Montekino, uh just because he's been running the three four uh, his entire career, doesn't mean that he can't transition more into a nickel dime uh, or even a base 4-3. Uh, but even so, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked to see him uh, get kind of experimental and fool around in the same way that uh, Gary Patterson's been fooling around there down at Fort Worth in terms of, well, let's get this Aztec guy in here and, and just let him run wild uh, rather than some of these more traditional uh, defensive sets, uh, whether it's a 4-3-3-4. I mean, it's the way defenses are evolving now, some of the best defenses, it's hard to even tell uh, what it is at the line of scrimmage just because the, the roles are so blended. Groups and, yeah. yeah, no, it, it'll be interesting, too, uh, seeing how that NFL background might affect how he uh, wants to attack things on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, one thing I'll just kind of highlight on briefly, uh, I wanted to kind of circle back to some of maybe the recruiting strengths uh, of some of these uh, assistant coaches, uh, kind of focusing less off the coordinators. One guy, uh, Van Malone, as I mentioned, um, coached at SMU in the past, has some ties to the state of Texas. Jason Ray, uh, of course, the wide receivers coach, found uh, this to be interesting. I had read that he was actually the lead recruiter for Tyreek Hill at Oklahoma State. Oh, really? So sign me up for a couple of those guys. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll, so that that would be a welcome change to K State's uh, receiving core. Yeah, I would love to love to see a couple. I I think he would be all burner team for sure. No question about that. <laughs> yeah, first team, unanimous selection, all burner team. All burner team, just a speed merchant. That's right, through and through. Through and through. Well, uh, I think that wraps us up here uh, for kind of the football staff. Uh, you know, recap here as we still are waiting for the special teams coordinator. Uh, D. Louie, what? How would you grade this initial staff just based off of what you see off the hoof? I'd give it about the same grade I gave the climbing hire. Um, nothing really jumps off the page at me. It seems like uh, it's all rational, and it seems like pretty safe hires. The the Montecchino hire is a little unorthodox. I would have, I, I'd say, but otherwise it. I think it makes a lot of sense. It's a blend of K-State guys. It's a blend of North Dakota State guys. And it's a blend of guys that uh, are neither and, and that you wouldn't have really expected. And so it's, in that respect, it's about, the composition is about what I thought it would be. Um, maybe there's a few more guys unrelated to K-State or North Dakota State than I would have originally projected. But in terms of a grade, I'd give it a B. I mean, I think that it's fine. I, I don't I don't have anything to complain about with it, and there's nothing that I can say uh, was a particularly dynamite hire either. Um, mm-hmm. Who's so. your Who's your favorite coach that we hired uh, uh, off off the hoof here? I know this is maybe I haven't thought about. Oh, who's the you know what though? I'm glad. I I'll say this. I I'd say Blake Siler actually. Okay. Um, so keeping him around. Yeah, okay. I think that that especially in a non coordinator role. Uh, I think that would be my biggest surprise. Of that might even give him a little bit more flexibility to really do some damage on the road recruiting too. With without, I mean, having the, the responsibility uh, of, of putting together a game plan. Of course, he'll be heavily involved with that. I would assume, uh, but also, you know, I think he's a guy that could be a pretty dynamic recruiter on the trail, and that might give him a little bit more flexibility. 
Yeah, and so I I think that that's a good point um, because he he certainly is a guy that can go out there and win in a living room, um, and so but no, that's 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 a, the guy who I was most surprised at least in terms of the role he has. Okay. What about you? What 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 are your impressions of the staff? I go a little bit lower. Um, I I do echo a lot of your sentiments. It was about what I expected. Mixture a little bit of K State, mixture of uh, the North Dakota State, then some guys that we didn't really know much about. Uh, the guy that I'm probably most interested in and uh, will be anxious to see how he does is Montekino. I I kind of like his his ability to maybe sell. Hey, I was in the NFL. I was defensive coordinator in the NFL. I have a Super Bowl ring. I've coached the best. I know what it takes for you to get there. Uh, I think that there's some certainly some interesting, uh, you know, interesting things that he brings to the table in terms of what he can sell to recruits and also just his overall background uh, as a defensive mind. I'd give it about a C of a um, of a um, of a grade, I guess, for the overall staff. I would have liked to see some guys that maybe have direct coordinator experience at a either power five or group of five level uh, that, that, you know, are ready for the next step up. Uh, really, we don't see that, of course, with Messi Nami's uh, Kleiman's bringing over his, his offensive coordinator uh, from North Dakota State. And then with uh, Montecino, a defensive analyst uh, at Mizzou, uh, a guy that, um, you know, wasn't calling the plays, but was, was no doubt involved with what Mizzou was doing defensively, which... Uh, you know, they did have a pretty decent season defensively. Uh, the numbers bear that out, but take a big fat loss against the Pokes. In the That's Liberty. right. So That's right. Carved them up. So, in, in, well, maybe he, you know, with him not being there, maybe that was what, what was what broke the camel's back there for him. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you lose a senior defensive analyst, you know that you're going to be on your heels um, moving forward. So that'll do it here for the staff review uh, for Chris Kleiman's first staff. Uh, Of course, not complete yet. I still have the special teams coach to go, uh, but we have a pretty good idea of what the staff's going to be looking like. Uh, We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with Wildcat Legend and Ask the Icon. All right, welcome back to the short side option where we are getting into our final couple segments of the show. First, we're getting into a segment we call this week's Wildcat Legend. And like on this week's uh, Wildcat Legend is a a hero of the hardwood. He is okay. uh, he played for two coaches during his time at Kansas State. Oh. One by the name of Mr. Jim Woldridge. Okay. The other one, Coach Bob Huggins. Oh, I'm speaking, of course, about the Columbia Crusher, number three himself, Lance Harris. Wow, this is Drew. I am so glad you selected him. Is he's a great one? He's a great for for this week's Wildcat legend. Yeah, what do you what do you what do you think about Lance? Oh well, I remember him as not only a marksman from behind the arc, but also a powerful dunker, as he would you know tear. He could dunk. He would. You know, he would. When you think of a Lance Harris dunk, what kind of dunk do you think of? I think of a couple different kinds of dunks, actually. <laughs> okay. I think of the one hand tomahawks. Yeah. And I also think of him catching alley oops. Really? And slamming those suckers. See, home. I seem to remember he had a big alley oop against Missouri back in 2006. Oh, or it was 2006. It would have been Wooly's last season. Uh, but it was the game right after we beat KU. Coming, uh, man, maybe. I think it maybe wasn't. It was right after we had played KU. I don't think it was the next game because I believe it was a Saturday game. But uh, Lance Harris had a big day that game. The Cats rolled over Missouri. That's and I also think of him too as a as a specialist behind the three point line. Uh, so much so, in fact, I actually uh, was able to uh, dig deep back into the memory banks here, D. Louis, and found this game against North Dakota State. Yes, the Bison folks on the hardwood. K-State went on the road up to Fargo to play the Bison, and they were in a hard-fought game. This was a good North That's Coast. a weird game. Yeah, it was. It <laughs> That's was. a weird game to it go was. play. <laughs> it certainly was, but 
The cats went on the road up to the Great White North, and they escaped Fargo with an 83-31 or 83-81 win over oh, the wow. Bison. In a game that saw lead changes back and forth. Of course, the everyone that remembers this North Dakota State team led by Ben Woodside, one of the, an outstanding college basketball player he was. But Lance Harris would not be outdone this day. As he poured in 24 points, had two assists, and was 5 of 6 from behind the three-point line, including a late three-pointer to put K-State ahead, a lead they would not relinquish. Wow. Well, that's, that's certainly a legendary performance um, by a legendary Wildcat. And uh, that, that, like you mentioned, this, this guy is just could throw it down with the best of them. You said you remember his tomahawks and his alley-oops. Man, you know what I remember? What's that? I remember he used to, it seemed like he did a lot of reverse. You did a lot of behind the, the behind the heads. Mm-hmm. Like when I think of Lance Harris dunk, I'm thinking he he just throws it down like uh, right behind his head. Always very impressive. Well, Lance Harris said uh, this team this year could definitely use his three point shooting. They could use Lance Harris. They could use Lance Harris. Uh, Lance Harris had a nice career. Uh, played overseas in Greece. Um, also spent some time in Italy and also some in some time in France. Um, believe he's still playing overseas. Uh, he went, <laughs> so uh, he was over in, in, in France last at last check, averaging 12.5 points a game. So still having a very nice career. That'll, that'll buy him a lot of escargot over there yeah, in Paris, he, man. You bet, man. Have you ever had those crepes over there, man? Uh, I love them. I love those things, man. Those are great. Uh, anyway, uh, that is to say that uh, Lance Harris, excellent performance, excellent dunker, excellent career overseas. Uh there's a marksman from behind the, the a marksman arc. behind the from behind the arc, just a a dandy dunker. And this week's wildcat legend. All right, we are getting into our final segment on the show, a segment we affectionately refer to as "Ask the Icon." Uh, in this segment, listeners can submit their questions to the Short Side Options' very own Chris the Icon Sork, and he. We'll do his best to answer them. Those questions can be submitted uh, via Twitter. Uh, they can send those tweets to at TSSO underscore podcast or using the hashtag AskTheIcon uh, or texting us. We're doing whatever. Now, without any further ado, uh, we have a lot today, so we're going to move right through them. Okay. Let's Chris, do it. are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Icon. All right, our first question from listener Steve Z at SL Keck What is your favorite city to vacation to? Wow, favorite city to vacation to? Um, we'll go with Maui, Hawaii. Wow, that's great place to go to. My favorite vacation I've ever been on there. My sister got married there. Uh, but in terms of let's just stay in the continental United States, a city so nice they named it twice, New York City. I thought you were going to say Walla Walla, Washington. <laughs> it's maybe second on the list. There you go. Uh all right, next question comes from listener Travis Hoffler, or Hoffler. Let us know. Uh, at the real Boris T, what's going to be the option look for K-State football moving forward? Do we even run the option? Is it in Kleiman's playbook? Well, the option isn't so much in the playbook here for North Dakota State. They run more uh, power uh, behind uh, big offensive line that's got a lot of pulling guards, pulling tackles, pulling centers. Everyone's Everyone's able to pull on this type of uh, offensive scheme. So um, you're not going to see as much option game. Uh, maybe there, there will still be the read option, of course, with a quarterback and running back. Uh, but, you know, I have a feeling that maybe Chris Kleiman might run a few uh, options to the short side every yeah. now and then if we, if, we, if we could just be so lucky. I sure hope you're right. Uh, next questioner comes from listener Michael Hermreck uh, at Michael Hermreck. Yes, he uh, he's got a little conspiracy theory humming oh, here. Oh, okay. He says, is the well-known theory that there are individuals controlling the tightness of the rims by loosening the spring inside the box on the goal via remote control from the stands true? To be brief, yes. All right. I uh, there's there's a long-held um, topic that I've I've discussed with several fo- uh, several folks called the KU roll, where they just seem to always get the roll. You know they they've got a good engineering school over at uh, over at Lawrence, not as good as the one in Manhattan, of course. But uh, I think that they might have been up to something long long before 
you know, we were maybe aware that such uh, technology existed. But you know what? Bending the breaking the rules blatantly has never been something that the folks in Lawrence have been afraid of. So uh, this is no exception. Wow. That's uh, strong words coming from uh, the icon there. Uh, our next question comes from listener Steve Z at SL Keck. He says, how did you choose the picture for the cover of your podcast? Well, this is a great question. and I, I'm glad that Steve Z has, um, has, has reached out to us about this. When we started this podcast, we, this is, I mean, do you remember, D. Louie? No, barely. Barely. It seems, we've been doing this so long, it seems like. Yeah. For like a lifetime ago. Well, when we, when we look back at, I remember there, there were several games that uh, K-State would run the short side option. And it literally took maybe five, ten minutes to pull up a couple old K-State games Kind of just watch through here a little bit, fast forward here, fast forward there when K-State has the ball, to find a time where they were on the short side option. Didn't take very long. It didn't take too long. So we settled on uh, the game against uh, Texas in 2003, and then uh, on our our cover photo, I believe is the, the terminology, uh, on Twitter, it's um, a short side option against uh, Nebraska in 2000, where... Quarterback Jonathan Beasley throws a nice little bounce pass to Josh Scobie as he runs it in for a touchdown. Oh yeah, that was. I forgot. I didn't know that was that that play that was yeah, on there. That's right. Yeah, interesting. Uh, next question comes from listener Stephen at Godlewski twenty two. Stephen writes, "Hi Icon, Mimosa or Bloody Mary?" Uh, Mimosa for me. All right. Asked and answered. Next question comes from Tyler H at th eight underscore. He has a couple. He says, Hi, Icon, does Gene have the guts to fire Bruce if we go winless in January? I'll just answer his question, no. No, I, I don't. I, I, and I don't think he really, that's probably going to happen, but you never know. Well. I, but I don't, think, I don't think Gene has the guts. <laughs> He's too spineless. <laughs> yeah, we'll just step to the scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, would you step up to the scorpion? Hell no, certainly not. Would no. you? <laughs> certainly not, no. Of course not. Bruce is a loose cannon. That's right. Uh, that's what he went by in high school, actually. He said, that's Bruce. He's a loose cannon. <laughs> Bruce is on the loose. Yeah. Then he graduated into the Scorpion. Um, uh, at Tyler, Tyler H at TH8 underscore follows up. He says, will the Bruce win a game in January? It's not a fun question to have to have to look at here. No, you, you, but, you'd so like I, to say, well, of course. I'm going to pull up this whoo, doggy. Um, they're going to only be favored in one game. They're going to be slight underdogs in a few. I'm going to go ahead and say yes, they will win. Most likely, I'm going to say they beat West Virginia at home uh, next Wednesday. But it's it, it's a question worth asking. No question. Yeah, it's, it's uh, this can really spiral here. This this uh, start of the stretch or this early start of the schedule. Of course, we had Texas, um, Texas Tech uh, on the road in Lubbock on Saturday. West Virginia at home at a pretty darn good Iowa State team. Uh, on the road at a pretty darn good Oklahoma team. At home against a, a TCU team that's right in the top twenty-five. And then hosting uh, Texas Tech again here January 22nd uh, before going on the road uh, for A&M on the 26th. Um, not an easy – no one no one game in there is, is one you can point to and say, oh, yeah, that's a, that's for sure. Yeah, and, well, that's just the product of playing in the Big 12, though. Sure. Uh, you're not going to get – whether it's January, February, or, or March. I mean, yep. it's – it's a it's a good league, and K State's not the cream of the crop, and so going to be a lot of dog fights. Moving on, uh, listener Cameron Bernie at C Bernie underscore ten asks, which is more frustrating, KSU men's basketball offense, KSU football quarterback situation this year? Whew. Um, I'll say the offense in 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 basketball. It's been pretty tough to watch at times. Of course, with um, 
I mean, you've seen what this offense really is capable of doing. I mean, they went out uh, in that uh, tournament down in, in the Virgin Islands, and they put together some pretty nice games, scored the ball well, uh, shot the ball extremely well against Missouri uh, in the championship game there. But you know that the offense can play at a, at a pretty decent level. It's capable of doing that. We've seen it last year. It was by no stretch a... You know, no one's going to confuse us with one of the best offensive teams in the league, but you certainly wouldn't say we were the worst. Um, this year, we are the worst by by far uh, on the hardwood. So I would say the basketball situation, uh, the basketball offensive situation, is, is is definitely more difficult to watch at this point. That's absolutely fair. Um, Not that the quarterback situation was a thing of beauty by any stretch, no. either, but. Uh, it's a good question. It's a good question. Yeah, it's it's a tough question. Uh, Tyler H. has another one. He says, what is your favorite non-KSU BBS? What's your favorite Ooh. non-K-State message board? You know, I don't really message board outside of, um, outside of K-State, but uh, I'm very involved in Yankees Twitter. And oh, that's, yeah. And that's, you see some interesting things <laughs> that's out there. That's right. I forgot about that. I can't imagine. What a world. Yeah, what a world. Uh, listener Nick Ward at N. Leland W. asks, how much do the Cowboys win by on Saturday? Uh, they win by a, a four spot. A late Amari Cooper touchdown. Or actually, no, a late Zeke Elliott touchdown puts the Cowboys ahead, and they, and they win by four, and they uh, move on to the division around the, of the NFC playoffs. All right. I agree with you. Uh, listener Tyler H. says, do you prefer, with your Bloody Mary, a beer chaser or a pickleback shot? A beer chaser for me. Usually um, Milwaukee's best slide if they have it. Icon, I'd like to take a minute and bring us over here to the Philosopher's Corner. By all means. The Scotty Pippen of Parenting, at Ben Trin, asks as follows. He starts with a quote from Machiavelli. Quote, Men judge generally more by the eye than by the hand, for everyone can see and few can feel. As the icon, what do you feel is in store for 2019 Kansas State Wildcats athletics? It's a great question, and it's, it's very well stated, very well put. <laughs> Uh, I was asked the other day, does this K-State team, I was asked actually it was today after the loss to Texas, does this K-State team make the NCAA tournament? Gun to your head, what do you say? No. That's, I'm not saying yes or no, but gun to my head, that's, that's what the impulse says. Yeah, and I can't say I disagree. I would lean to say yes, that this team does make the NCAA tournament. Just because I don't think the bubble's real strong this year uh, across the across the rest of the country, but it's a very uncomfortable question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think right now it's about as as much of a coin flip as you can as you can get. So, with that being said, I think the the outlook for for KC Athletics in 2019, of course, football is going to be a bit of a rebuilding season. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough to get to a bowl game. I don't think it's un- unreasonable to think that K-State could win, you know, six, seven games, maybe go 10-2 again. I mean, who knows? <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I do think that it's, it's looking like it might be a year of rebuilding for K-State as they go into 2019, uh, especially um, on the football field. And then, of course, with this basketball team losing a lot to graduation, it could be a rebuilding year on the hardwood next year as well. All right. Thank you for that great question, Ben. Uh, listener Tony at Lucas Nove uh, asks, what do you think the S&P will close at on December 31st, 2019? You ready for this? Yeah, hit me. 2,564. All right. That's uh, I've, I've calculated that um, using some de- different uh, you know, metrics. Of course, different moving averages, historical moving averages that I've looked at. Of course, looking at um, 
what the firm foundation in terms of uh, strength of resistance is at the top. I, I've done uh, I, it's about four and a, about four and a third percent growth. Okay, what so I, what I've got at you think we're gonna bounce back here? Yeah. All right. Of course. Of course. I agree. I think we're I think our we're gonna bounce back here once everybody once the Fed starts stuff's being so unfair. I agree. <clears throat> All right, that's enough politics. This is a sports podcast. Uh, listener RCJ at Ryan Yeager uh, asks trivia question for the icon. Five NFL teams have an animal on their helmet, not including birds or cats. Name them. Well, I actually heard this question today on uh, 810 when uh, I was uh, running a few errands. Is this with Soren? It was. It wasn't Stump the Chumps, but they were just talking about it. And um, I believe they are the, uh, the Texans, the Dolphins, the Rams, the Broncos, and nobody. And I mean nobody. Mm. Circles the wagons. Like your Buffalo Like my Bills. Bills. You know, what, what do you think the trick is that with that one? Texans? Texans is a tough one, yeah. That's the trick. Yeah. Because Texans aren't actually cattle. No. They're... We know several Texans. Yeah. They... It's ridiculous to have a cattle be the mascot of the Texans. Why? Because... <laughs> because that's like having... A football player be the mascot for the Wildcats. Because Texans mean people, not animals. They should be. The, they should just be the bulls, the cattle, the steers, the longhorns. Could be. Hey, speaking of the longhorns, how about Bevo getting after Ugga? Ah, gotta love that. <laughs> he was bringing the heat. Oh, now I like Ugga. I like Ugga a lot. That's a big old dog. It's just kind of. Mangy looking. Kind of like, those kind of lazy. Dogs are kind of mangy looking. They got all got rough looking underbites. <laughs> slobber all. Yeah, but they them. look tough with those underbites. They look. They look like something. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty shocking. Uh, Bevo just going ballistic. He set the tone. He set the tone right there. And yeah, and it was nice to see that the the Longhorn football players uh, follow up on that. Absolutely. They must have been extremely inspired. Uh, all right. Our next questioner is David Sabin at Sabination. He asks, "Let's talk hair products. What's your shampoo of choice? Do you use conditioner? And do you have any insight into what Bruce uses to manufacture his lovely head salad?" Wow, a lot in there. Um, I do not use conditioner. I just use uh, just a basic like I think it's Pantene shampoo. Mm. Just kind of. I, I, there's really no method to what I pick out. Sometimes I pick out head and shoulders. Sometimes I pick out Pantene, you know, whatever. Um, just wow. kind of whatever whatever I'd grab at CVS. That's fascinating. Um, and um, so no conditioner and no no real insight on, on what uh, on what the Scorpion uses for uh, for maintaining his head of hair. But that's excellent. That's excellent work there. By that's, that's a good job by Dave, trying to get into what makes... The icon's hair is so soft, and uh, seeing if he had any sneak uh, any sneak peeks at what what makes Bruce's hair so lovely. But uh, that'll wrap it up here uh, for Ask the Icon. Icon, do you have any uh, parting thoughts? No, no real parting thoughts. Uh, this is a big weekend though for K State uh, going on the road, getting a chance to really get a marquee win. It's going to be very tough, and as we outlined it's going to be a, an uphill battle for K-State in a game that, quite frankly, we don't expect them to win. But uh, it's college basketball. And uh, as our one of our favorite uh, commentators of college basketball, John Rothstein, says, college basketball, where the unexpected becomes the ordinary. So you never know in a sport like college basketball what can happen. K-State shoots the ball well, sees the ball go through the, through the hole a couple times. Gives them some confidence. You never know what can happen. Uh, but uh, definitely going to have their work cut out for them. Uh, but that really, yeah, that wraps it up for me anyway. You, get, you have anything you'd like to add, D. Louie? I do not. I uh, I just want to say Happy New Year to all our listeners. Of course. And I hope uh, your 2018 ended uh, like you'd like it to. And I hope I uh, wish you a very happy 2019. Well, and we'll be continuing to bring 
uh, our, our beautiful listeners, the short side option, uh, here throughout 2019 and beyond. So that'll do it for this edition of the short side option. We'll be back next week uh, to look back at K-State's um, game against Texas Tech and preview uh, two games. Uh, we might come actually at them uh, after the West Virginia game. Uh, but we'll definitely uh, talk, be talking hoops, talking some football too, and answering your questions as well. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Short Side Option. And go Cats! <laughs>